Yes, it's the place to be for all things franchising. Hi everyone and welcome. Today's topic is the secret to franchise growth and it's the Just Cuts transformation that we're going to be running through to open, uh, open your eyes to some of the ways that some of the most successful franchisors in Australia and internationally indeed have grown their businesses. So um, I'm sure you're going to really enjoy it. As you know, we're committed to bringing you a whole range of information about different topics, including franchise, across franchising, and, and really talking to established and successful franchisors is a key element of that. It's always interesting to hear their story, because like any of you, they started off somewhere to begin with, so they've grown from there. So it's great to be with you. I'm pretty excited because I've been trying to speak to someone from Just Cuts for quite some time, and um, today I've actually been very, very fortunate as much as I've got Amber Manning has joined me. She's the general manager of, Fran of Just Cuts, and uh, I'll be giving you a bit more intro introduction to her in a moment. So looking forward to that. So uh, nevertheless, a quick reminder, have a pen and paper ready, because um, I think you'll get quite a lot of information and some great little tips from Amber. Amber, she's got great knowledge. Um, and for our members, just a reminder that on our website, this show will be uploaded together with the other 90-odd in our members' role very shortly. So, Amber Manning. Um, Amber's an experienced and dynamic general manager. She's got an extensive career in franchising, also in not-for-profit financial services. Um, at just over 20, she was Australia's youngest, youngest financial services franchise owner and operator. Um, 14 years on, Amber runs the show. <laughs> she describes it as a general manager at Just Cuts. Now the largest hairdressing franchise in the Southern Hemisphere, quite some achievement. Her background in franchising, not-for-profit and so forth, has seen her develop a broad portfolio of senior management skills. Uh, she spent time working across the New South Wales Telstra franchise and dealer channels, great experience there. And she supported a large portion of the Harvey Norman franchisees, including a regular role advising them and their steering committee and so on. So vast experience she's gathered along the way. And her project manager experience also includes working with stakeholders from people like KPMG and PricewaterhouseCoopers. So she's developed a really strong ability to get across global strategic issues and businesses of all shapes and sizes. Um, in a long-term role as project sponsor and business lead for Mission Australia Sales Framework, Amber's strong management experience saw her team achieve outstanding results in a national rollout for the not-for-profit sector, an extremely difficult area to work in, I can assure you from my experience. So Amber's worked with government ministers, industry skills councils, advocating change in the area of skilled workers. Um, so she's gone across an enormous amount um, of, of areas in her working career. Since joining Just Cuts, nearly uh, five years ago, March 2014, she's implemented significant change and I think when you hear what she has to tell us, it's really quite impressive. Uh, quite a number of innovative projects for the brand. She's committed to continual growth and innovation for Just Cuts. Um, her sites for, um, for this coming financial year and beyond include the rollout of a new look client loyalty program, relaunching the super successful stylist empowerment rewards program that's linked to Just Cuts online point of sale system and to leading the combined growth of Just Cuts in Australia, New Zealand, and beyond. Amber, welcome. Lovely to talk to you. Wow, thank you. A long intro there. 
It is, but I think it warrants it because you've got an amazing background and we're going to dig into this a bit deeper now. So really looking forward to some of these questions I've got lined up for you. So, oh, thank um, you for anything, having me. Oh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. Um, is there anything that I've overlooked you'd like to add or correct in my summary there? No, no, I, I think you've, you've summed it up. Okay. Well, look, let's get the ball rolling because most people will be familiar with Just Cuts. They've seen them in particularly shopping centre sites and so on. So can you just give us a little bit of a picture of where Just Cuts are today? Sure. Well, yeah, I, I guess you can say that. We're actually going into celebrating 29 years in franchising this year in Australia. Uh, so looking forward to 30 years next year. We're currently, uh, we, have, we have 218 sell-ons across Australia, New Zealand and the UK. Uh, we have 116 franchise owners. Uh, so our, our, a lot of our business growth has been through our existing franchisees. Uh, but we're really excited to say that we've also just opened up our own distribution warehouse and run our own uh, justice professional product range. So we provide our shampoos, conditioners and all products as a one-stop shop to our franchisees. So that's distributed uh, out, of, out of Sydney. Uh, we also have 3,500 uh, stylists in our network and a group turnover at the moment sitting at just over 106 million. So moving into Australia and, and New Zealand, UK and, and across, across the, uh, the um, world now, it's a uh, busy time. Wow, that's a lot of haircuts. <laughs> that, that's a splendid <laughs> achievement. And uh, um, I know everyone would love to hear a bit more, but maybe at this point in time, we can turn the clock back. Can you share a bit of an insight about the founder, Dennis, Dennis McFadden's story as well? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Dennis has a, has a great story himself and uh, would love to, to see him write a book one day. Uh, he started out as a, a trainee, as a hairdresser. He's a hairdresser himself. And uh, he actually finished his traineeship here in Sydney and jumped on the P&O cruise ships and uh, was a hairdresser on the P&O cruises from Sydney to London uh, for quite a few years. And he then established uh, full service salons, so colour salons in, in the UK and opened, he had five stores over there. Uh, got married and, and had kids and moved back to, uh, to Sydney. And he had his full service salon in Hurstville, uh, again here, here in Sydney. His lease was up and he needed to move um, his salon down the road. He'd taken out another lease. So he thought, oh, well, that the other lease was still going, but he still had to open his new, new business. And uh, long story short, he put $6 in the window, haircuts only, thought I'll take my team that are that are a full colourist to the other salon and I'll put a no appointment, $6 in the window and uh, see how it goes just to see out the lease. Uh, and would you believe he had a line up out the door and people travelling from everywhere. So he really found that he hit that middle market where uh, I guess back in the, the late 80s and early 90s, there was really a, your only your high-end uh, full service salon and then your, your lower end barbers. There was no one, nowhere for the middle market. You really had to ring up and make an appointment and, you know, sit for three or four hours in the salon to get your colour done. Whereas today, uh, you know, we do over 100,000 haircuts a week and our clientele is 50% male and 50% female. So it wasn't just women going in, um, you know, for full colour or, or just men getting, getting hair colour. People were just looking just for a haircut. 
Um, wow. So I guess you know that's 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 how it all started with with the sell on. I guess just to add to that, it's it's a very quick wrap up uh, and it's a, a quite a long story and a great story to tell. But uh, our very first franchisee, Leanne, who is based in Engadine, uh, our Engadine Just Cuts. She's still with us today, so we're very um, privileged and honoured um, to still have our very first franchisee with us from 29 years ago. And it was actually her and her father that instigated uh, wanting to do um, the business exactly how Dennis did in terms of his systems and processes and uh, look to franchise. So that's a quick wrap-up, uh, but, um, yeah, amazing story. So Leanne sort of virtually approached Dennis to say, can I open my own salon? The usual yeah. systems. Is that how you? That, yeah. That's how the franchising started. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. Is it? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's quite a story. And congratulations, please, to Dennis, uh, but also to you to what you where you've taken it up to the next level. So really privileged to get that sort of insight. And I might say it just highlights. I think to me, every time I hear stories, that people end up where they are just by accident, just by chance, mm. you know. And it's the reason they do that is not because they just give up and wait. It's because they get out there and they do things and do, things do come to you. You know, you just got to take the opportunity. And obviously Dennis Absolutely. <laughs> did. And Leanne... Yeah, and really embrace and really embrace the opportunity because especially in hairdressing, uh, when you finish your traineeship, generally a hairdresser says thank you very much and they want to start their own business. So it's very difficult mm. in in that industry. Whereas we're very lucky at Just Cuts because people are you know clients are loyal to the brand. Um, so you know people that are hairdressers in the business can also still take a holiday. <laughs> Which is critically important in a small business, absolutely. Yeah. So, so mm. that, that's fascinating. So, could we go a bit deeper now, and I'd like to get you to share some of the landmarks that's occurred. You know, perhaps in, in the more recent years since, since you've joined, um, you might. Sure. Uh, yeah, I guess. Terms. Sure. I came in at a, at a stage where we still had, uh, I guess, 80% of our stores on docket books. Uh, Dennis came up with a, a fabulous system uh, which helped us uh, with managing sales productivity, but it was all docket book based. And uh, we really, you know, in this day and age, could move on to more of a point of sale technology base so that we could actually be seeing what's happening in our businesses. Um, you know, across the network and across the three countries. Um, so it was no mean feat um, by any means because, you know, step one of that is actually getting internet into 200 salons uh, and, you know, computers and things connected. And so, you know, really at that point, it was that building that relationship and that trust with our franchisees um, and for them to know why that we were going on to a point of sale and what the benefit would be to them. Um, and obviously the benefit now is they, they've got benchmarking and they can see where they sit in the group at, every, at any minute. Uh, and it helps them to you know, manage uh, whether they want to market to male clientele or female clientele or if they need new clients in their business. Even though they had that data before, it was all manual. Now it, it will spit out to them in a report on a daily basis, which was which is, has been absolutely fabulous for our owners. Another piece of that is actually having an app in their hands so they can be at the beach or at a cafe um, and know how many stylists are in the queue, how many uh, uh, clients are waiting, what their turnover, how many haircuts they've done for the day. So they can really manage their rosters from anywhere um, and see what's happening in their business, especially because a lot of our franchisees aren't actually hairdressers. 
Um, so out of the uh, 116 franchise owners, probably only around, um, I think it's at last count, 22 were actual hairdressers. So a lot of our, fran our franchisees, um, you know, uh, come from all walks of life of, of um, police officers to bank managers to accountants and, um, you know, in, be in between. So uh, to have those systems in place has been fabulous for them. I guess another thing was, um, you know, SMS marketing and being able to communicate um, directly to our clients um, and, and bringing in a loyalty program uh, where, you know, clients can earn points, but they can also check into the queue. Um, you know, one of our, our main points of difference is we're a no appointment sell-on. Um, so, you know, you obviously can't ring ahead, but if you're in a corporate office or, you know, you're a mum with three kids in the car and you've just pulled up, to the, in the car park and you've got to make your way across to the sell-on to check yourself in. Um, we're just, we've it brought this app in so they can actually check themselves in a lot sooner and walk through and, you know, we're, we're providing that, that customer service. Wow, so they uh, join the queue in the car park, literally. Yeah, yeah, which is really exciting. <laughs> we're getting lots of great things. Yeah, absolutely. And they, so they always was... a text message when they're next in the queue. Wow, that's that's fantastic. So this is what this was the, the major project you brought in after you joined four four or so years ago. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been rolling. Yeah, the point of sale and going online and on onto internet um, and bringing in the benchmarking, absolutely, and the loyalty within the last twelve months. So we're really getting some really great data there now as well. Wow, that's fantastic. And what about other stages, other steps as you've gone along in the last, this part of your five yeah. years of strategic plan that you implemented? So I guess another piece uh, was, was implementing our Justice Professional Warehouse. And, and this is really uh, led by Dennis as, as the founder and entrepreneur and still um, quite heavily involved in the, in the business, where he had the foresight and obviously also feedback from our franchisees and listening to our franchisees. So the issue we had is we were selling a product uh, that could be purchased at Woolworths or Coles and really went FMCG. So our, I guess our, um, you know, our stylist would empower a client over what a great shampoo or a product it was for a value add um, to increase an average spend within the business. But then the pushback was, well, I can get that for 50% off at, you know, a larger, um, I guess, store. So I guess the goal was to not only come up with our own product range, but to come up with a, a product range that was, you know, developed by hairdressers. Um, so we're very lucky that our hairdressers are very involved in the products and the manufacturing. We have our products manufactured um, and distributed out. Uh, but we needed a warehouse to do that. Uh, so we've, we've just opened, we're 12 months in, into opening our, our warehouse in Caringbar in Sydney. And um, we have four people in that warehouse and they distribute out uh, to our felons across Australia and New Zealand. So that's been an wow. interesting uh, feat in terms of managing stock control across countries and across salons <laughs> and uh, getting, getting our own. You know, we're very much a, a service-based business um, and we've really brought retail in as a, as a value add, uh, not only to our franchisees, uh, but also to our clients. Oh, that's a great bit of vertical integration, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, I suppose yeah. it's pretty obvious when you look at it. Uh, but I, I, in my ignorance, didn't realise you actually 
you know, use those sorts of products as well, thinking it was just, yeah. just cuts. So actually, you, you're a step Correct. beyond just cuts. You're just cuts and more. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's offering that home hair care range. They can take their, the, you know, the product home and, and do their hair at home themselves. Uh, wow. You know, but our goal, our goal uh, for, for franchisees is, is to be 20%, uh, you know, retail in their business. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're very lucky that we're a strong service base and, you know, we'll always be, um, you know, a, a hair cutting or just cutting service. Um, but it's really a value add to our clients. And, and the feedback, you know, we get feedback every day uh, when we get a lot more compliments than we do complaints, which is great. And that's a great key measure for us. And a lot of the feedback is the style is recommended to me because we only hire uh, or recruit fully qualified hairdressers. We don't have any apprentices or trainees in our business. So that's how we guarantee the quality of the style cut, uh, but also to ensure that our clients are recommended the right products for their hair. Mm, interesting. That, that's going into detail, isn't it? Because that's the sort of problem that I know, yeah, that, that I, I think... Both both genders complain of you know you get an apprentice who's doing your hair they really not yeah. got their heart and soul in it and perhaps they don't yeah. quite have the experience to handle your style of hair yeah correct and that's why we have the same pricing point I mean a style cut across across Australia is thirty two dollars uh, whether you're a male female short hair or long hair so we don't discriminate there uh, and that's been a you know really again a key factor of, of growth in our business because when clients walk in they know what they're going to get. Uh, and there's no, um, you know, no unknown. Right. Now, I mean, you've been doing one heck of a lot. I mean, I appreciate perhaps Dennis has been primarily involved in the manufacturer and warehouse side, but when looking mm. at implementing this program, you can say it quickly, you know. Um, we had 200 stores and we implemented a point of sale system. I mean, with the work involved in that would have been <laughs> enormous. I, I don't even want to think about the technical issues. I think I'd get a headache yeah, just thinking that. Yeah, let alone, yeah, well, I was, yeah, I was very lucky. At least I have a bit of an interest in, in IT myself. But, uh, you know, the major thing I would say here, especially to your listeners, is just get, getting that buy-in from franchisees and taking them on that journey. Mm. I mean, making be, anything being a surprise or an introduction is scary. Um, and as you know, you know, people don't love change. Um, so again, we're very lucky. We actually don't have it, uh, any company-owned stores. All our stores are franchised. Um, we're very lucky that our franchisees are always putting their hands up to trial things, whether they work or don't work. Um, our pilot groups have just been uh, fabulous for that. Uh, you know, and, and they're the ones that we get to then assist us to roll, roll this out. So it's not really coming from head office and making us do this. It's, you know, the franchisees have tried it, tested it, they love it, and that's why we're rolling it out. So that philosophy engaging them in the process, I mean, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. We all know you, you don't you don't get buy-in unless someone feels they've got a bit of ownership. So uh, that, that's Absolutely. A, makes a lot of common sense. So, so having done that, I mean, you haven't rested on your laurels. Part of your five-year plan as well has been this sort of expansion, not just here, but, you know, mm. overseas as well. Can you share a little bit of about that sure yeah absolutely so yeah it's been uh, pretty busy I guess across the ditch and also in in the UK uh, so in, in New Zealand we we had a, uh, a master franchisor there uh, he started that just over 18 years ago uh, and did a fabulous job in getting the, the business up and running there uh, but he had had made the decision that you know he'd, he'd been in it a while 
um, and you know didn't want to wanted to look at uh, doing something else. And we looked at the business there and went, well, we've got 24 salons um, there, and we know that we could potentially have 50 to 60 salons. So there's still significant growth available uh, in New Zealand, and it's a fabulous market. Uh, and I guess also. Um, you know, looking at the competition there. So we're very, I guess, lucky in Australia that we don't really have direct competition in, in, in what we do is such a large group. Um, whereas in, in New Zealand, we do have a direct competitor that was at the same store numbers as us. Uh, and so we've really taken it on to really uh, push hard um, to get some growth over there. And, you know, we've had our success through existing franchisees. So we're really building our relationship with our franchisees there and taking them on that journey, but also bringing some new new franchisees in, which, is, which has been great. Um, so we've got a goal in New Zealand of, of getting to 50 stores. Um, we've got four locked in for the start of this year. And, um, yeah, focused, uh, we've got a business development manager focused um, on New Zealand. And with UK, uh, we, you know, that's just, I, I guess it's always been a, a dream of Dennis's to get back to the UK. So with his dream, I made it my KPI. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so my KPI was uh, 200 salons and, and get to the UK. So I created that for myself. And, um, you know, we, we had the opportunity of piloting a store in the UK. And what we really wanted to do is pilot a store to understand, you know, can we get hairdressers? Who would our suppliers be? Uh, how does it, you know, everything work there? How does the paperwork work there? How do our franchise agreements work there? And really test the waters so that when we got our first franchisee on board, we, you know, we knew what we were doing. Um, so happy to say uh, we've just celebrated one year of our pilot store um, in Essex in the, in the UK. Took us a while to break even there. Uh, but we're we're just about there, which is exciting, and very happy to say that uh, we've just signed up our first uh, franchisee opening in Wandsworth in the UK um, towards the end of Feb, uh, early March. We're just waiting on shop fitters there, uh, so that's that's really exciting. And uh, with that comes, okay, well, how do we manage this from from Australia? And um, I guess you know with technology these days. Um, from my perspective, I believe that, you know, the master franchise, um, I guess, scenario is probably not going to be as significant as it used to be just because of technology these days. You can really, um, you know, security cameras, point of sale, um, and also managing teams. Um, and, and that's not saying that we're, we're close to not having a master, but we've made the decision to run the UK from, from Australia. But in saying that, uh, we've also made the commitment to moving our senior operations manager uh, over there uh, for six months to get the business up and running. Uh, and myself and, and Dennis and a few of the senior team will be going back and forth just to get that, that team set up. But at least we've got someone on the ground supporting our franchisee over there. Uh, and very lucky to say that, you know, in the franchise network, um, you know, what I love about franchising is everyone's happy to help. Um, you know, I've had assistance from, you know, Hire Hubby and Anytime Fitness and, and Pack and Send and, um, you know, Cheesecake Shops. So we're, we're extremely lucky that um, in franchising, um, you're not just on your own. Franchise brands and franchisors are, are more than willing to help each other. I've been able to get solicitors and accountants contacts and you know they know how to deal with the Aussies so yeah it's been been an interesting 
interesting exercise and we're, I guess, holding on to our hats and, and um, getting ready to launch for our first franchisee in the UK. Fantastic. And obviously it's a huge, a, 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 quite a very significant investment. I mean, moving all your team backs and forwards and that sort of thing uh, is, is, is serious money. But just a, just a heads up here for everyone listening. You know, we're always talking here about the value of being involved with the Franchise Council of Australia, the FCA. And doesn't that just highlight it? Just hearing, incidentally, um, Amber mentioning about the help she's got from four or five other franchise groups that have sort of voluntarily contributed to help her with information and, and individuals they've referred her to and so on. So that value is, I think, almost... Well, almost unvalued. You, know, you literally can't value it. It's uh, the lessons mm. that could have would, would to, to have learned those lessons and made those contacts yourself could have burnt a lot of time, investment, and and uh, been very stressful. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And that, I guess that's the one thing that that Dennis would always say. The first thing he he did when he was going to franchising is sign up to the the franchise council. And, uh, yeah, and I'm extremely lucky that the FCA also provides a chief executive uh, syndicate group, which I'm a part of. So that's where, um, you know, franchisors get together on a monthly basis uh, and can really talk and support each other, which has been, a, a you know, a great um, exercise to do. I can, I can imagine, yeah, having some peer group relationships is tremendous, isn't it? Now, you shared a lot, of, a lot with us. <laughs> it's a big story. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know about a book. I think, I think there's a film here. But um, <laughs> uh, maybe you could give us a little bit more insight into your story. I, I mean, I mentioned a little bit about where you've got experience, but I think, you know, to, to give us a little bit more of a, an insight to the nitty-gritty of your story, could you share that with us? Yeah, well, I, I guess, uh, you know, I started out in franchising at a young age. I, I remember being, uh, I, was, I was 19 or turning 20 at the time. I was on 30000 a year. Um, doing bookkeeping and accounts um, for one of my bosses. And I remember asking for a pay increase uh, and he said no. And I, I went home and thought, oh, what am I going to do? Because I already planned out the money I needed because I wanted to buy a house and, and travel because I love travelling. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was looking at, right, what, what should I do? And uh, my mum said, well, why don't you start your own business? So I thought, oh, that, that sounds interesting. So I started looking at, at franchises and, um, yeah, started my own uh, bookkeeping franchise, uh, which, was, which was fabulous. I was able to earn the money that I wanted there. Uh, but, you know, I was 21 doing business activity statements at 2 in the morning, which, you know, just wasn't fun for me uh, and wasn't fitting in with my, my travel schedule either. Um, yeah, so I sold that business and... Um, bought my first block of land and, uh, yeah, stayed in the franchise world, went into supporting Telstra franchisees and Harvey Norman franchisees, which was, which was amazing um, to, to learn how they work and, um, you know, how their sales work and their KPIs, how they coach their teams. Um, it was really fabulous to be a part of. I then did a full swing and went into the not-for-profit sector uh, so working with Mission Australia and, um, you know, working in a not-for-profit, you're extremely lucky that um, in the senior management team, you can work with uh, the likes of PricewaterhouseCoopers and KPMG on projects, um, you know, looking at um, accounting projects or rolling out, um, you know, project mapping um, and also rolling out government um, contracts, which was, which was really exciting for me and I really enjoyed my time there um, and, and learnt a lot within senior management and managing um, large areas. 
uh, I guess I sort of hit a ceiling there and, um, you know, was looking for my next venture and thought I might get back into business for myself. Uh, and that's where I had uh, Dennis approach me and ask me to do uh, the disc profiler. And uh, he said, oh, Amber, can, I'm looking at doing this for my team. Can you do it and tell me what you think of it? Uh, little did I know that he was actually tricking me uh, because he was looking uh, to get a, a GM or a, a chief operator into the business. Um, and obviously, uh, with, with Dennis um, being, you know, close in family, being being also a, a stepfather, he wanted to know how I'd work with him in a business um, relationship. And um, thankfully, it came through that, uh, you know, I was the... Uh, you know, could could be the humbler, make make it make it all a bit of synergy between everyone. Um, so so that was uh, really good, and and really you know came through that I was the collaborator in, in supporting you know supporting a team, which is what he was looking for, so he could step away and and look at you know focus on other things in the business. Um, so you know I, I'm extremely proud to to say that you know running 218 salons. Um, we've got a head office team of 12, um, and we're, we're a, um, you know, we're a um, fixed fee franchise. Uh, but I, you know, I truly believe with the technology and the relationships that we have in place that we really connect in extremely well with our franchisees. Um, and satisfaction survey that we we run with our franchisees, you know, really showed that of of quite recently. Uh, but I'm proud to say that we're also a family business. Uh, my brother's also in the business. He's the business development manager selling the franchises. Um, and my stepbrother, Charlie, is the warehouse manager at our Justice Professional Warehouse. So I guess uh, our franchisees coming into the business, um, you know, really love the family um, because they're in family business. You know, their mums, their dads, their brothers, their sisters, everybody's helping them. So even when we do a new owner training, we will say, will there be anyone helping you in the business, whether it's your brother, sister, wife, husband, partner? Um, and they're really grateful to say, oh, wow, can they come to the training too? So we've really taken on from the family business model to bring that into our franchisees because they're all in families as well and in the family business. And we find that, you know, where they're most successful is when they're being supported by the people around them. That's essential, isn't it? It really is. It's a very lonely road on your own. Um, and, and I'm fascinated. I didn't realise before that, you know, you were... The family was such an integral part because, and congratulations, um, um, as, as we hear very often in business, uh, family relationships in business don't always work out. Um, no. in fact, I always said I'd never work for family. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, maintaining <laughs> commitment and discipline, if you like, um, you know, can be, can be a challenge in different points of view. I don't know whether you'd like to share briefly, uh, you, you're very welcome to decline. Um, yeah. As to how you manage that, uh, you know, the, 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 the sort of interaction and the synergy between everyone. Yeah, I think we're very lucky with Dennis as the CEO and founder that he is willing to take risks um, and try something new and he'll let you succeed and he'll let you fail. Um, and that's across all, all of the team. So I think the culture that he's created, um, you know, especially for me in my role, has allowed me to expand the business and, and take risks and and grow from from what what he's already um, you know uh, achieved. Uh, but also, I think you know, especially with with um, Charlie and and Luke, you know, being in the business, which are uh, my brothers, um, 
they're good at what they're good at and I'm good at what I'm good at. And we try not to tread on each other's toes in that way. <laughs> so as much as we'll say, oh, I don't know if I agree with that, we respect each other because, you know, um, Charlie's, you know, professional at the warehouse, Luke's professional at business development, and they always say they wouldn't like my job and I always say I wouldn't like their job. So I think that creates a nice synergy between us all. Yeah, a bit of respect in the different Yeah, yeah. but that's not to say there's not arguments. But, uh, and, and the great no. thing is that we rerun surveys of our team and the feedback of our team is that, you know, they appreciate the, the honesty and they know where they stand. So and they know where they stand in the team oh. because we're all so honest. When you're so direct with family, you, everyone knows what you really think. <laughs> I look, and that's, that's something that's missing in the culture of so many businesses. and. Uh, that, that's that's you've, you've used that to its optimum. So congratulations on that. I know Dennis is a pretty chilled sort of individual. So obviously, he's, as you yeah. say, perhaps laid back, maybe going a bit too far. But obviously, he's obviously relaxed in the way he's done it. So that's a tribute, and you know, it's interesting to see the journey. So um, you mentioned about your early years in franchising. Can you give me you know, just share some of the lessons you've learned, some of the things that you've you know, you yeah, feel I, you've, I guess um, I was quite lucky. Um, be, being a franchisee at, at 20 or 21 because I you know I understood in how dealings with head office and you know my feelings around what I needed as a franchisee and the support that I needed um, and I guess um, you know for me it was always about you know not being surprised um, being able to allow businesses to grow their business and you know just getting that buy-in I mean which has been significant I guess for me I started at Just Cuts when I was 30 years old and um, you know I, I don't like to say it but you know 30 year old old female coming in to, to run the business um, I know mm. the first thing the franchisees would say is who the hell are you and you don't know anything about my business so I guess that I really took the time um, to understand them and, you know, connect and build a relationship with them one-on-one and earn their trust. Um, so I guess, um, you know, in, in what I've learned is just always getting buy-in um, and running things past people. Sometimes you can be in a boardroom discussing things and think, oh, we'll just make this decision, it'll be fine. And you walk out the door and, you know, you've got 10 emails saying what's going on. So my biggest lesson is, is really not making a decision straight away, but running it by, you know, different parties, whether it's a franchisee, whether it's a supplier or, or, or an employee, or, um, you know, I love using um, my my peers in the CES group and bouncing ideas off them as to, you know, how they've tackled a situation without making a, a quick decision. That, that's that's really a fascinating insight and I've, I've got so much admiration <laughs> for you. And um, I've got a long list of questions here, but I, I can see there's enough, enough of them for another interview, which I won't, I won't <laughs> put you through the, uh, through, you through, through the pain of here. that. You'll have to get Dennis on here to confirm it all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think we can take it as red. So um, could you tell me what you think are the three most important points uh, for a new franchisor to address, someone entering in the market? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, I'm just thinking, sorry, I'm just got... Do you mind asking that again? <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, can you summarise the, the three key points you believe are the most important things for a new franchisor to address? Yeah, I guess starting out as, as a um, new franchisor is 
obviously looking at your systems and, and processes, and but also looking at, um, I guess, your your model and the and the viability of it. You know, we also look at um, for our franchisees our rent wages and outgoings. So we make sure that, you know, our rent's not sitting more than 20% of turnover. Our wages aren't sitting at, at more than 50% because we hire fully qualified hairdressers and our outgoings being 10%. Um, so really, I would say to, to a fr new franchisor, look at your, your model um, and, you know, is it, is it feasible for a franchisee to, to buy in? And do you have the systems and processes in place? Um, you know, I, I think in terms of recording of data and making sure that, you know, you can measure and, and see what's happening in the business is key. Uh, but as I keep going back to um, franchisee relationships, uh, franchisee profitability um, and the technology and supply chain, knowing those things uh, really help you to be able to sell a franchise. And I guess, you know, we've been in it for 29 years. Um, going to the UK, I didn't rest on, on our laurels going, we know it all. I went and started a pilot because I needed to understand what it would cost a franchisee because in no time do I want to put a franchisee into a business that they're not profitable. That, that makes sense. And we know there have been some unfortunate experiences with, with franchise groups moving internationally because of exactly those sorts of reasons. The cultures are so different, aren't they? Um, and, yeah. Uh, so, and, and that's where I believe that, you know, that again, you know, the culture, setting that culture. I mean, we've been very lucky with, with Dennis leading the culture in the business. He has great respect in the franchise community and with our franchisees. Um, and that has been, you know, really my guide to making sure that we stick to the right culture and really not being a dictator as a franchisor. Um, you know, again, we get that buy-in and use power of influence rather than saying this is how it is. Right. So just looking at the recruitment side, what are the main characteristics that you look for when you're recruiting a new franchisee, Emma? Yeah, so it's interesting. People, I get asked that, that a lot and, you know, people can obviously come from business or franchising or, um, you know, in our industry, a hairdresser. Um, but, you know, really at the end of the day, it's a can-do positive attitude. I mean, if they, they are committed... Um, you know, to, to make that business successful and they're not scared to get out there and market their business and shout their brand from the rooftop. Um, they're really a franchisee that, that we want to partner with. Uh, but in saying that, you know, we, we have franchisees that are accountants and um, bookkeepers and bank managers and police officers. And, um, you know, sometimes for us, you know, hairdressers, um, they're, they're artists and, and creative, and I can say that to Dennis because he's a hairdresser. Um, so sometimes being a creative person, you're not always the best business person. But in saying that, that's why a franchise model can work because, you know, franchising makes people successful in terms of making them into an entrepreneur and um, owning their own, own business. So, you know, for us when we're interviewing a franchisee, obviously it's looking at their background of where they've come from, but a lot of our franchisees may not have had business background they might have been made redundant in their position um, and or, you know their kids have gone to school and they want to start their own business um, and you know what's what's something they can be a part of and that's what we always take back to our support team is how do we support our franchisees that don't have you know the business acumen and give them the tools that they need so I guess I you know 
really when we're looking for a franchisee, it really coming down to that attitude and personality and willing to follow those the systems and processes and be a part of the brand. Um, you know, we have our quarterly owners meetings uh, where we have up to 80 franchisees flying from all around the country uh, and the networking they get from that and what they implement back into their business is just amazing to see. So those franchisees that can really connect and network and um, have that positive attitude. Excellent. Thank you for such a comprehensive overview. So perhaps if I can come up with, with perhaps one last question. You, you've gained a vast amount of experience and seen lots of changes in the franchise sector over your 15 years in franchising. Um, so you've crammed a lot into that time. So um, it's very topical at the moment looking at franchising and I think that will remain to be the case. So what's your outlook for the future um, as we look at in Australia, particularly structural changes happening within, mm. within, the, within the country? within business, mm. within legal franchise structures and so forth. Yeah, well, it will be interesting to see what happens with uh, gov potential government uh, changes next or this year, and uh, you know, also um, you know, franchising um, changes under the franchise code. However, you know, I, I really believe that franchising is, is amazingly strong in Australia. Um, when you t attend the FCA conferences, you really get to see um, some amazing new franchisors coming through, um, and it's it's fantastic to see that they they're coming and learning and wanting to, to do it the right way. And, I, and that's what I would say in franchising is why it's so successful is because franchisors are willing to network and network with each other. I know Dennis has, has contacts, um, you know, from 20, 30 years, um, myself building contacts um, and through the SCA and CES groups, um, you know, I really believe that that franchising um, will just go from strength to strength. We're, we're, we've already locked in 15 new stores um, for this year in Australia alone. And, you know, our goal was to slow down Australia and, and move quick, move up and, and rev up New Zealand and the UK. So it's interesting how, how that's happened. Uh, but I, I believe that's because, you know, Aussies are, are willing to, to take a risk, um, you know, and business, um, you know, is a risk. It, it's not always the golden ticket to success. And, um, you know, I believe that, you know, there's a lot of great franchisors in Australia um, that are really supporting their franchisees. Well, look, thank you so much. It's been delightful experience talking with you today, Amber. I'd like to thank you on behalf of all the listeners. Uh, I'm certainly heavily indebted to you for giving us so much of your time and sharing so many insights. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening uh, will join me and say it's, it's, been, it's really been a privilege to hear what I think really are your words of wisdom. Um, if people would like to learn oh, more you. about... Oh, not at all. Not at all. Very unselfish of you. So if people would like to learn more about Just Cuts or, or, or in any way, where can they... Where's the best point of contact for them? Yeah, sure. It's just justcuts.com. Uh, you know, that, that's got our news and articles and obviously where you can find our, our sellers. If you'd like to go in for a haircut, I'd love to receive your feedback. And uh, obviously in terms of corporate articles, we're always posting on LinkedIn and online. Our team are always getting things up, up there as well. Um, yeah. Okay, lovely. Well, in closing, is there any final point you'd like to, or observation you'd like to make before we wind up? 
Oh, I, I guess just to say to your listeners that are looking to franchise their businesses is don't be afraid to make contact with, with franchisors um, that obviously aren't in direct competition um, to your business you're looking to open because they're generally more than willing to share information and, and utilise the FCA to put you into those contacts. Um, and, and finally, you know, from a Just Cuts perspective, uh, you know, our motto at the moment is we're, we're extremely lucky you can't get your hair cut online. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're sticking to that. Oh, that's a very interesting point. Yeah, and that's quite striking. So uh, everyone wish they had the same luxury. So. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, who knows? We might listen to this in 20 years and we'll have robots cutting our hair. <laughs> you never know. Uh, oh, fantastic. Thank you. So it's been so enjoyable. Thank you, Amber Manning, once again. Um, so this is Brian Keane from Franchise Simply signing off. Looking forward to being with you when we interview our next guest on the Franchise Radio Show.